Isaiah Land should be the first HBCU player drafted, and I have three plays from the Senior Bowl to explain why. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because that mic cuts off does not mean that the journey's over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives, which you can see right here at the bottom of your screen on the graphic. But if you're just listening to me, thank you. I got love for the audio listeners. Don't forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go ahead and make every moment more when you visit fanduel.com slash locked on today, right now as I'm speaking today to get started. And I want to talk about Isaiah Land because to me, he proved why he should be the first HBCU player drafted at the Senior Bowl. Now, I'm about a good combine away from saying he will be the first HBCU player drafted, but right now I won't go that far. I will just say that I believe that he should be the first HBCU player drafted. That's what I would do if I was a GM and I needed all of the positions that our HBCU players offer. I will pick Isaiah Land first. Now, I'm going to have three plays from the Senior Bowl that I'm going to bring up and just kind of illustrate. I can't bring up the actual picture, so I'm going to have to paint a picture with the voice today. But that's what I'm going to do. But first, allow me to set this scene. Coming into the Senior Bowl, I kind of already felt, let me not, I'm not even going to hedge my bets. Coming into the Senior Bowl, I felt that Isaiah Land should be the first HBCU player drafted. I feel like he hit all the boxes. High-level production as far as accolades. He was the Buck Buchanan Award winner. He has that. Multiple years of production. He has that. And then also, when you just look at the fact that he got the Senior Bowl nod and he got the NFL Combine nod, that's the same thing that Joshua Williams had last year. Coincidence? Maybe. Does it prove anything? No. But it does say that at least some people feel like Isaiah Land is a player who we should be paying a lot of attention to. That's what Senior Bowl invitations say. That's what Combine invitations say. So those are some of the reasons that go away from just what he does on the field on why I think he should and will be the first HBCU player drafted. But let me get into what he did at the Senior Bowl because what he did at the Senior Bowl was prove that he can be an off-ball linebacker. He showed potential at that. I'll say that. I'm not going to say that he'll be an all-pro off-ball linebacker, but he has shown that he has the potential to be a functional player at that position. And I think that versatility will bode well for him. It's kind of like the senior bowl was a proof of concept. Okay, he's 227. Can he play off ball? Yeah, he can play off ball. Just by seeing that, just by checking that box, a lot of people are going to say, all right, let's put him back on our board. We thought he was too light to have his hand in the in the dirt, and we play a 4-3. So we're not really going to have him on our board. But now that he might be able to play an off ball position, probably be a pretty good blitzer we're going to put him back in there in consideration 
All right. Oh, one other reason I think he's going to be the first overall. You go to the Pro Football Network, and it's not an exact science, but the Pro Football Network mock draft, which I encourage everybody to do for your favorite team, is very exciting. I, I have a lot of fun doing it. He's a top 100 prospect. This is a guy who is highly regarded and someone who has shown it at the high level of the senior bowl. So let's get into play number one. Play number one was the first drive of the game. The opposing team, I remember if he was on the national or the American team, but the opposing team had driven all the way down to the goal line. And Isaiah Land was in there. He was starting. He played a lot of the game as an off-ball linebacker. He read the line perfectly. He read his defensive lineman, read the offensive lineman, didn't overrun the play, found the gap, shot the gap, and tackled the player for a tackle for a loss. This was key because this is something you're going to have to do as a linebacker, and it's something that he has not had to do as a defensive end. All the plays are different. See, if you're doing a stretch play, I don't remember if it was a stretch play or not. I think it might have been a dive. But if you're doing a stretch play and you're a defensive end to the opposing side, you're running down the line. If you're doing a stretch play and you're a linebacker, you're going against a stretch play and you're a linebacker, now you have to look for the hole and be able to shoot the hole. It's completely different. I don't even know how much it translates unless you're just an intelligent player. Then it just it just works. But I don't know how much doing this at a defensive end or stopping that play as a defensive end translates to stopping that play as a as a linebacker. But he showed that he could do it as an off ball linebacker. We've been seeing him do it as an edge player. So that's one thing that he showed. That's the first play. That's the first attribute that you need as a linebacker, the ability to read and react. He showed it. Then the, th the part that we all thought he would struggle with. And I'm not going to say he was great at it. But he was decent. And remember, that's all we're really asking for. I'm not asking for him to be all pro. I'm not asking for him to be a first round player. I'm saying that Isaiah Land showed that as an off-ball linebacker, he has something you can work with. And if we're talking about drafting, specifically in the third round and, and anything after that, you just want players you can work with. Isaiah Land showed he could work with it. And I'm going to talk about his pass coverage because that's the best way to explain his pass coverage without even looking at a play. But I will look at this play. Isaiah Land, he had a, a running back in coverage. The dude ran up, and Isaiah Land met him about a yard from the line of scrimmage. Mind you, we're not talking about a run. We're talking about a clear pass. He did not step up to meet him for the run. He engaged this, this now receiver, right, because that's what we're talking about. He engaged this now wide receiver on the route a lot of people would have just sat there and waited to react Isaiah Land met the running back to me that shows confidence in his ability to cover I'm telling you Isaiah Land had to work on being an off-ball linebacker going into the senior bowl and just so happened to luck him into the the opportunity to showcase what he had been working on because there's no way a guy who been who started playing off-ball for the first time two days ago, steps up to meet a running back on an option route. There's a lot of linebackers who play linebacker, and that's their position, has been their position, who's not stepping up to meet that running back. Because that's either way. Once you step up, you have to now react, and you don't have much room to, to be wrong. That's a confident move by Isaiah Land and one that I really did like to see. Now the last play that I'll talk about is off of being an off-ball linebacker because the mission coming into the senior bowl for everybody who was looking at Isaiah Land was to show that he can rush the passer with his size and then also with players who aren't FCS competition. Mission accomplished. And I think by showing that he had a sack late in the game, now you could be a potential situational pass rusher, kind of like James Houston was at the beginning of his career, right? Because that's what we're going to talk about actually at the end of the show. But Isaiah Land showed the ability to be an off-ball linebacker and maybe even be a situational pass rusher where you just bring him in on third down and long and like, okay, go get the pass rusher. We know what you're going to do. That's what you do well. Go ahead and do it. 
This was a phenomenal senior bowl for Isaiah Land. And I'm telling you, if the combine rolls around and he really blazes and has really good uh, numbers and maybe even puts on a little bit more weight, I'll transform this from he should be to he will be. But as of right now, I will hedge this bet just a little bit. And I'll tell you that if it was me, Isaiah Land should be the first HBCU player drafted in the NFL draft this year year and going forward we're going to switch gears we're going to talk about the ciaa because today is a big time day for this conference in the basketball realm you have two games that will go a long way to deciding who wins the ciaa north and who wins the ciaa south and we'll talk about that as we continue with locked on hbcu before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Yes, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's the thing. If you're new to FanDuel, you don't have an account and you're new, they're going to do this first thing, this thing called first bet, no sweat, which means if you lose your first bet, they're going to give you $1,000. Yes, that's with a comma, $1,000 in free bets. Bonus bets because you lost. Ain't no such thing as an L when it comes to your first bet. Then you can put the money on and trying to get uh, and try to get paid elsewhere. But the NFL season is over. I hope you hit your Super Bowl odds. You know, I hope you bet on Patty Mahomes to be the MVP. I hope you did all of that. But now it's time to turn your attention to basketball. And now that we turn our attention to basketball, we're talking about the Western Conference Finals. We're talking about possibly a Suns versus Mavs is what everybody thinks is going to be. I don't think so. Somehow I think it's not going to be the case. Maybe you take my word and put some money down on. The Grizzlies or the Pelicans, if God allows uh, Zion to ever come back. But either way, make sure you're putting your money down on FanDuel. Or if you're the East, go ahead and put your money down on the Celtics. Either way, FanDuel.com slash locked on is the place to be. First bet, no sweat. Ain't even nothing to really trip about. And as we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, go ahead and check out Locked on College Basketball, which is everything that you need around the sport in one place. And you can get it wherever you check out your podcast, including this app right here. Just go ahead and type it up. And when this episode cuts off, go ahead and click that on. Today is a huge day for the CIAA because there are two pivotal games that could go a long way into deciding not only the divisional champions, but then also the potential number one seed in the CIAA tournament that's coming up next week. I told you, we're going to be covering this. We're going on three days in a row. I'm not going to keep counting it up, but we're on three days in a row of CIAA basketball coverage because there's no way that we can miss some of these phenomenal storylines that are going on right now. We just can't miss that. It's too much great content, too many great games, too many great things to talk about even before the game starts or after the game. I'm telling you right now, we're going to recap these games that we're talking about on tomorrow's episode. So go ahead and look forward to it. But let's talk about the games. I'm beating around the bush. I'm talking about Fayetteville State versus Claflin. And then I'm also talking about Virginia Union versus Shaw. Let's go ahead and start off with Fayetteville versus Claflin because there's no way you can actually clinch the South in this game. But the winner of this is basically had they basically have the inside track to whoever's going to win the conference because all you have to do is win the next game and it's yours. Whoever wins this game between Fayetteville State and Claflin controls their own destiny. And honestly, I think if Fayetteville wins, yes, if Fayetteville wins and Winston-Salem loses, they clinch. I don't want to bring that too much in because that's adding a third game. And that's just at that point, I might as well add in all the games that can have factors. We're just going to keep it to two. But I do want you to know how Fayetteville has the opportunity to clinch on Wednesday, on today, 
So um, this is a game that we've already seen. It was a very close game. It was only decided by a couple of points. Claflin had a, a, a big-time score, and um, Jalen Williams had 19 points in that game, and he was really good from three-point, but unfortunately, that just wasn't enough. It just wasn't high enough because they didn't have anybody else who followed him up to get in the double digits. So although he was able to score 19, he actually was the leading scorer amongst both teams in that game, it became kind of null and void because he was the only one who was really scoring. While you look at Fayetteville State, the Broncos had two players who were able to score in double digits. You had Cress Worthy and then also Tyler Foster. So I look forward to seeing another close matchup. And let's just remember, Claflin wins. They All they have to do is win. Fayetteville State wins. All they have to do is win. The following game, you control your own destiny. That's what this is for. Fayetteville State versus Claflin is about who's going to control their own destiny to win the CIAA South and possibly even the number one seed. But we can't talk about the number one seed and not talk about Virginia Union because there's no other team who is alone in first place or there's no other team who is in first place. Virginia Union sits there completely alone and they face Shaw. Let's get it out the way right now. They barely beat Shaw the first time. I don't care how good that Virginia Union is. This is not a game that you can just walk by. We talked about Shaw on yesterday's episode. This is not a team that if they beat you, it's a game where, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. This is more than a competent competitor for Virginia Union. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm just going to brush by them. I am going to talk about the stakes at hand for Virginia Union, but I'm not going to sit here and act like it's just a foregone conclusion that they're going to win. Actually, their loss to Lincoln makes this a more important game. Had they not lost to Lincoln, winning this game just would have clinched them the, the number one seed. And losing this game would have allowed you to still just beat Virginia State. All you would have had to do is just win one of your next two games. But because Union lost to Lincoln, now they kind of have to beat Shaw. And if they don't beat Shaw, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of situation or there's there's a lot of, uh, dang, I wish I could remember the, the Doctor Strange quote. I'm definitely a fake Marvel fan now. Somebody got to strip my car for not being able to, to get one quote about the, the futures, right? But there's a bunch of, of, of alternate realities and a bunch of hypothetical situations, and we will get into one of them where I got a, I got a thing right here. Y'all can't see it. I'm pointing to something on the audio side. I have a, a wall of comics, and I think about eight of them are Marvel. I'm going to have to just strip them off. Matthew strip him off. I lost my card. My sister would be disappointed in me. But it's okay. There's a bunch of situations where Virginia Union loses this game and loses against Virginia State, and they aren't the number one seed. And this is a team that's been in the driver's seat for at least the last couple of weeks. Maybe even before that. I can't remember exactly when they started being first place and really kind of running stuff. So this is a this is a big time game for them. This is a big time game, and they barely beat them the first time. I'll say this. You win this game and Fayetteville wins. You, if they don't have the tiebreaker on the CIAA website, but if Virginia Union wins and Fayetteville wins, no matter what happens in any other game on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, doesn't matter, the number one seed will be Virginia Union. The way I figure this is the worst thing that could happen if these two teams win on Wednesday is there ends up being a three-way tie with Fayetteville State, Virginia Union, and Virginia State. And if that happens, well, the Virginia teams beat Fayetteville. Both of them beat Fayetteville. So, and they both beat Winston-Salem in case Winston-Salem ties as well. Um, but they both beat those teams. 
So those two teams would immediately be gone. And then it would end up being a two-way tie. So whether it's a three-way tie with Union, Virginia State, Fayetteville State, or if it's a four-way tie with those three teams and add Winston-Salem State, either way it would boil down to the last two teams being Virginia Union and Virginia State, with Virginia State having a better divisional record even if they tie, because in this hypothetical that I've created for them all to have the same record, that would mean that Virginia Union beat Shaw, but lost to Virginia State. And Virginia State would then have still have a less, um, uh, a worse, excuse me, divisional record. Even though they would split the, the, the head-to-head between them and Union, Union would have the better divisional record. And that's what would decide whether or not they are going to be the number one seed. Winning this game is pivotal you have to win this game and Shaw wants to do more than just play spoilers like I said on yesterday they have stuff that they're playing for too they're still trying to climb up the rankings they still want to have the highest ranking in the CIAA tournament as they can so it's not like you're just facing a quality team that doesn't have much to play for yes your stakes are higher but they're playing for something as well and that means they're going to want to win just as much as you are going to want to win maybe even more when it comes to wanting to spoil your dreams of the number one seed these two games will be recapped on tomorrow's episode but you got to make sure you tune in and you have to look to see what are the outcomes of Fayetteville State versus Claflin in Virginia Union versus Shaw. And that's wrap up the episode. We're going to go forward and talk about the rookie recaps because we had three star-studded rookies who all made impactful plays for the teams. And we're going to talk about James Houston, Joshua Williams, and Jacoby Durant as we finish Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Shout out to all my segment three people. Making it to the very end of the show. Y'all some real ones. I appreciate that. The NFL season is over. Couldn't talk about it yesterday. Why couldn't I talk about it yesterday? Because I was too busy crying. I was too busy, sad, and emotional because the NFL season is over. I envy those who appreciate basketball and football equally because this is a time of mourning for me. I'm going to need a week. I'm going to need a week, maybe even all the way through All-Star break. Once the dunk contest, roll around, three-point contest and all that, maybe I'll be able to be done with my grief. But right now, I'm mourning the end of football season, and I'm itching for it to come back. Yes, I'm an addict. I'm sorry. But we're not going to recap the NFL season as a whole. That's for Locked On NFL and for your Locked On local team to recap their season. Really, the Chiefs and the Rams, or Chiefs and the Rams, the Chiefs, <laughs> the Chiefs and the Eagles, because they're the only two teams who haven't already recapped their season. We're going to be talking about the HBCU players. Who were in these games? James Houston, Jacoby Durant, Joshua Williams. I'll start off with Houston because if there was an HBCU rookie of the year, it's him. None of these players actually played a lot. So the fact that Houston didn't play a bunch of games, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't weigh against them the same way it would for the regular rookie of the year. Like, if you're going to be honest, if I think if you condense sample size, if you go on a per game basis, there's a strong argument that James Houston could have won the rookie of the year in the NFL, but he just didn't play enough time. He didn't get robbed. He just only played seven games, eight games. He didn't play enough time to be the rookie of the year. But if we're going per game, that's a different conversation. But if there's an HBCU one, he's definitely him. Historic start to the season. Historic start to his career. This is not hyperbole. This is actual fact. I think it was the most sacks in the first three games of a player's season or a player's career, period. That's the most sacks in the first three games of a player's career, is what he did in his first season while being a situational pass rusher. He didn't even play all the games. 
He didn't even play all the snaps. You look at his first game, he had two sacks in that game. He played five defensive snaps. He had a forced or a recovered fumble in that game. He played 10 special team snaps. That's what he was able to do. I'm talking about one in every two and a half plays, a sack. One in every 10 plays, a recovered turnover. That's an impactful way to start off your season. Then he follows it up, sack again. Another sack. Sacks Josh Allen two times, one of the hardest uh, quarterbacks to sack in the NFL. Comes back a couple of weeks later against Chicago. Has three sacks against Justin Fields. Yet another mobile quarterback. So the only question that really comes from what he was able to do is why wasn't he on the field earlier? And I try not to question that too much because I understand a lot of times players need seasoning. But he came out the gate hooping. Shout out my guy Scotty. Always said I'd shout him out if I use hooping on the show. Um, but he came out the gate. Balling for those who don't know what it means to say hooping. Some people don't think I can say hooping when I'm talking about football, but that's just how I talk. That's how you talk uh, where I'm from. So, um, James Houston came out the gate playing extremely well. You just wish you could have seen him early. I'm telling you, with 16, 17 games, 15 games, even if he had to miss a couple of injury, you're looking at a guy who really could have been the rookie of the year. And I can't wait to see him have a larger role next year. So, then you look at Dakota Durant. Or no, I want to go to Joshua Williams next because Joshua Williams got a ring. I got to go with that. He got a ring. And he had an impactful play in the AFC Championship game. To me, highlight of his season, highlight of his career thus far. In the biggest game of the season that he had played up to that point, he had an interception over, I'm going to say it, the best quarterback he had played up to that point. You look, you're looking at Joshua Williams who, he, they kind of had a rotational game going at cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he didn't play a lot. He had a high concentration of snaps in the middle of the year, but then the guys started to get more healthy and they got back to rotating. But he was always around the football. That's the defining factor. He was always making tackles. He had a tackle or a game with seven tackles, a, a game with nine tackles. He had, a, he had a really successful first year, and he had a couple of impact plays, including two interceptions, one in the regular season, one in the postseason. And the last player that we're going to talk about is Kobe Durant. To me, he's the most overlooked and undervalued of the three. Because he wasn't on a team like the Detroit Lions where they're on the uptick and they're kind of like a surprise team this season who nearly made the playoffs. James Houston came out. He had a historic start to the year. He wasn't on a Super Bowl champion the way that Joshua Williams was able to be on a Kansas City Chiefs make an interception in the AFC Championship game. He didn't even get that opportunity. But instead, he was on a Los Angeles Rams team that is typically high profile, especially being in L.A., but they were trash this year and injuries really destroyed them. He was actually a victim of the injuries. He came in due, he was a benefactor and he was a victim. He came in due to an injury against the Atlanta Falcons, abused those losers because that's what happens to the Falcons. And he's a really good player. So of course he's going to do that. And <laughs> I look, I can't help it, man. It's the Saints in me. I can't help but attack the, the Falcons when I, when I get a chance. It's not my fault. But he had an interception in that game where it showed his ability to track the ball because I didn't think the ball was going to bounce off the wide receiver's hands the way it did. But he ran up full speed, was able to get the ball, and he nearly returned that for a touchdown. He also had a sack in that game, but he also got injured. He had to miss about two months, work his way back on the field from being a special teams player to being another player who contributes on the defense. And then after he contributed on the defense, he said, yeah, I can still make impact plays like intercepting Russell Wilson two times in one game one of which I was actually able to return for a touchdown. So you had a near interception return for a touchdown, an interception return for a touchdown, and then another one that was just an extremely acrobatic interception that I won't dare try to explain or, or paint that picture. You got to go look at it. Go, it's three interceptions, and they're all impressive, whether that's because of how he tracked the ball, whether that's because of the return after, or just the way he was able to intercept the pass, such as the acrobatic athletic interception I was just telling you about. 
Jacoby Durant was voted as the Rams rookie of the year this year. Rams Wire, which is the USA Today division of Rams coverage, said that he was the ninth best player on the team, not ninth best rookie. He was the ninth best player on the team and only rookie in the top 15 for them. This guy was an impact player and they solidified it by saying he was the second best. Jalen Ramsey's on the other side. So he was the second best cornerback and he deserves to have a large role in next season. I can't wait. Between Houston Williams and Dakobe De Durant, between these three players, this HBCU trio of rookies has really set the bar high for whoever is going to come after them. And maybe we shouldn't look forward. Maybe we should just live in the moment and appreciate them. So I'll take that back. Dakobe Durant, James Houston, Joshua Williams. They showed exactly what HBCU players can do because each of them had to fight for their shot. And every single one of them took it when they had the opportunity and forced impact plays. So on tomorrow's episode, one of my guys actually jumped the gun on Twitter a couple of days ago. We're going to be talking about the question. What if HBCU players, or excuse me, what if HBCU teams decided they didn't want to be in March Madness and they just decided they wanted to have an HBCU tournament of their own? We're going to be talking about that on tomorrow's episode. So I appreciate you for making us your first listen. For your second listen, go ahead and check out Locked On College Basketball, which is everything you need around the sport in one place. So go ahead and check that out. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.